This, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Heward is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports Station. Well, we're going to excuse Dude, you from the interview. It doesn't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. Hello! A week ago, Brock, we were so excited. The Mariners had the projection of the seventh best lineup in baseball. For all the criticism, right? Mike Petrello, a few minutes ago, we just played it saying, ah, the bottom of that lineup doesn't look exactly like a contender. I don't know about all that. But then the projection said seventh best lineup in baseball. And we went, well, how does that even make sense? Because they were 10th in the power rankings. And if you've got the seventh best lineup and you think your pitching and defense is better than your lineup, shouldn't they be a top five team? Mm-hmm. Well, the other shoe dropped yesterday. As the same ranking system ranked the Mariners pitching, their starting pitching. Let me guess. Starting pitching? Starting pitching. So this would be Luis. Their rotation. Luis and Logan, Kirby and Marco, Flex, and this probably doesn't, doesn't even count for Bryce Miller. Robbie Ray? Oh, yeah, that guy, the former Cy Young Award winner. Yep. Mm. Well, let me let me give you a little bit more information before you guess where they ranked. So they put, I have to assume these are what their projected records are. Okay? Projected record. Rotation. Luis Castillo, 23 and 9. Robbie Ray, 20 and 12. Logan Gilbert, 15 and 14. Uh, Marco Gonzalez, 6 and 21. That doesn't even make sense. (laughs) George Kirby, 17 and 10. And then Chris Flexen, 3 and 11. So they think that they're going to have two 20-game winners, a 15-game winner, and a 17-game winner. Mm. Mm. And they're going to have the 18th best rotation in baseball. Uh, I I don't really know what to do with this information. It seems like malarkey. Why they got to do Marco like that? I mean, really, why, why? What did Marco do to them? First of all, six and 21 for Marco. And I'm not, you know, look, obviously wins and losses are not all the be all end all. They're not even close. They're sort of a stat that has been completely. You uh, know, they're mocked. Yes. They're, they're mocked by but any of the folks in the win 20 games. You got to have a pretty good season. And if you've got two 20 game winners on your team, on your rotation, yeah. it's probably a very good rotation. I also believe that veterans don't get to lose 20 games. They just don't. Right. If you're going to lose 20 games in a season, I remember Mike Miner did it. Maybe Jeremy Bonderman when they were coming up in Detroit. Like, okay, Or Mike Maroth. I think it was Mike Maroth. Sorry, not Mike Miner. I think it was Mike Mm -hmm. Maroth. But but like those guys are just eating it and you're a bad team. Or you're a young player that with on a bad team that everyone has really high hopes for, like Bonderman was. And I think Mm -hmm. it was Mike Maroth at the time where it's like, yeah, they're going to lose a lot of games. But just wait, there's going to be something, you know, on the other side of this. There's no way a Marco Gonzalez is allowed to lose 20 games. So obviously no, that just no, doesn't happen. Uh-uh, uh-uh. But how in the world do you end up with the 18th best rotation? That is that's junk. Yeah, is is that you know and again baseball goes just bananas with all of these numbers. Is that some park effect? Is that Could also saying that hey, you know these guys do get the benefit if we're going to talk about the flip side of it, the other shoe dropping or the other shoe that you're wearing of hey man having to try to hit in this place. Well, the pitching it has been Pretty nice. Well, let me, let me read to you some of what uh, Bradford Doolittle wrote here. He says the Mariners are underrated here, thankfully. I think as the FIP challenge dossiers of Gonzalez and Flexen don't fare well in the forecast machinery. 
They should be better than this. But in the meantime, a big four of Castillo, Ray Gilbert, Kirby is as exciting a rotation foundation the Mariners have had for at least the past decade. So at least his, his writing sort of helps a little bit. Look, there's a lot to like about analytics, Brock. We've talked about it, stats, projections, all that stuff. They help us predict the future. That's the goal, right? They're trying to tell us more about what we're seeing and whether or not it's sustainable. And it helps teams make decisions to the best of their ability and make the most educated guesses they can make on players. Mm -hmm. But any look at the Mariners rotation that has them 18th is not all that helpful. Yes, it's park adjusted. I'm sure that's part of it. But they've got a legit ace three number twos, and I don't care how bad the projections think Flexen and Marco are both going to be, that's a top 10 major league rotation. And there's certainly not a bottom half rotation. Can I read off some win-loss records for you here over the last five years? And sure. again, knowing that, that the win marker is, is one that is scoffed at, mocked at, and maybe the least used as far as any projections go. But here's, since they did it, since Mr. Doolittle did it, let me just read off a, a few of these. Sure. Thir- 13 and 9, 16 and 13, 7 and 2, 10 and 6, 10 and 15. You know what those are? The last five years of Marco Gonzalez. Right. Do I see a 6 and 21? Do I smell anything resembling that whatsoever? Yeah, last year was was 10 and 15. It was down. Yeah, and it was a 4.13 ERA, and we can go into the other stuff. And, he, yeah, he's a soft tosser, and, and his stuff in this, in, in this crew doesn't, you know, he's, he's the one. Mm-hmm. Sesame Street. Who's the one that doesn't look like and throw like the rest of them? Yeah, that's that's Marco. But the guy's got craftiness. The guy has game. The guy will take advantage of bad teams yeah, and, and some bad and, lineups. And, and there will be some bad lineups that he will get to face. He may in the be the lady. type of player that, that that just is hard to read through the stats, and you have to trust the feel and some of those other things. But, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I don't, I don't buy that. And if he were to do that, you'd obviously bring in somebody else, et cetera. Here's the thing. If we're wrong, If you and I are being idiots right now by going against the genius of these computers and when they spit out 18 and we're like, "Uh, no, that's terrible. Of course, they're going to be in the top 10 and they turn out to be 18. The Mariners are screwed. They're not making the playoffs. They're They're not not only not making the playoffs, they're going to be a bad team. Mm -hmm. This team is here and I want to make sure we all talk about this right now today. The Mariners are where they are and will go where they go because of pitching. And because of their commitment to it, specifically starting pitching, but pitching as a whole, if they are, if that unit is not good, Mm -hmm. they will not be good themselves. Mm -hmm. They need it to be quite frankly, something close to elite. And if it's not, if it's, if it's not a good unit, this whole thing, this whole, everything is an exercise in futility because they are not going to survive. They can survive a lineup that doesn't click or doesn't get to the, even the, you know, the goals they've set for it. They could survive it because this pitching staff looks so dominant and starting pitching is that important. But if that pitching staff regresses in such a serious way that they are the 18th best in the game, ball game over. You lose. Pitching, pitching, pitching. Yep. Location, location, location. It is what this organization is built on. It is the position that the president played. It is the position that your manager caught. <laughs> it is all built, and that is the foundation. If that's number one, by the way, mm-hmm. and maybe this is a conversation for tomorrow or leading up into spring training. If that's number one, which I am with you with a bullet, it's not even close. Number two is not even number two. It's way down the road. But if that's number one, if this team doesn't, achieve or, or, or doesn't play to its potential there, what is number two? What is the number two like, ooh, if this takes a step back or ooh, if this happens or ooh, 
then we can we can forget about this being a playoff. I don't game. think there's anything that truly does that. I mean, if their bullpen takes a huge step back, I mean, their one-run game, you know, success would obviously be a huge issue. The defense is going to contribute to that, but I would say their their record in one-run games, right? If if okay. that goes the other direction, that's going to be a big problem also. I would say near that list. I don't know if it's number two. I, I would probably tend to agree once again because it's pitching, pitching, pitching is your bullpen. But I'd put up there pretty high, Julio. Mm. I don't think this team can afford Julio taking a step back. Right. I don't think this team can afford Julio having a sophomore slump. Mm-hmm. That when Jerry says to us last Thursday that, yeah, we don't look at this as a 16-game gap with Houston because of what Julio became, what Cal became, what some of these guys and Luis and, and, and gaining him and getting him and acquiring him – but I don't think this crew from right. just a yeah, I think a the only, leadership. The only a, reason I would disagree with that, and not, or not that I disagree, I don't disagree with you. You're right. That would be a huge problem. But I'm not going to put it in the same realm as the other two because somebody else stepping up could make up for it, right? I mean, what if Kelnick does have the breakout year and becomes the guy that he was always expected to be? Okay, Julio takes a step back, but you get such an unbelievable lift from somebody else that you say, all right, it kind of balanced out. I don't think this lineup is capable in any way of making up for it if the pitching staff goes, you know, to the 18th best pitching staff in the game. Uh, agree. So I think that that's that's I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I just I think that there are there are ways for them to overcome Julio. It'd be hard. It would take some other miracles in all likelihood. But if this pitching staff's bad, game over. Good night. Yep. Like go to bed. There's nothing to watch. There's nothing to see here. It's kind of like it's a D. It's kind of like a D line that can't stop the run. <laughs> it is. Just hey, we're going to talk to an old linebacker about that coming up here in uh, about 20 minutes. Some guy you may have heard of, KJ Wright, KJ? is going to join us coming Kenneth? up in about 20, just past 8:30. Kenneth? Right after everything you need to know next. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, it is certainly mock draft season. A little early, but still mock draft season as we're, uh, what, about two and a half months away from the NFL draft. And Lance Zerlines came out yesterday, Brock. He has the number five pick for the Seahawks, Tyree Wilson. So put him in the category of just about everybody else who sees it going down that way. But for the 20th pick, he likes Minnesota center John Michael Smiths. What do you think? Mm, That is a, a mover of men. Not a leader of men, maybe, might be one day, especially as a center, you're looking for that. But that is a mover of people, a people mover. And it's what he did there in Minnesota in a run first, as much a run first as anybody in the country not named a military academy. Yep, so that would fit that theme of big, fast difference makers at the line of scrimmage. And I wouldn't hate it. You get a you get one of the more dominant pass rushers, the number two guy on everyone's board, at least right now, before the combine and everything else, and then you get the top center. He is certainly starting to climb that hmm. list, and and his his efforts at the Senior Bowl somewhat solidify that he is the top center on the board. Well, Lance Zerline, uh, we was on here uh, just what a couple of weeks ago, and with regards to Tyree Wilson, he says, yeah, he's the type of guy who's a difference maker up front. I think Tyree Wilson is that kind of guy. He's got Seahawk written all over him, potentially as early as five. He's long. He's athletic. Needs to be a little tougher against the run. But we're talking about a guy who's six six, who's just continuing to grow into his frame. Like he, you see him flash, and you say, "Wow, he's just scratching the surface." I'm trying to grow into his frame too, Brock. That's my goal. I'm trying to grow into that six foot six frame. One of these days, I'm going to get there. 
Here's the second thing you need to know. Such a lousy night for the Kraken. It was such a bummer. I was so looking forward to watching them. Well, you know, got myself up at 4.30. It was like, okay, I'm awake. Let's go Kraken. Built my day around it, and uh, unfortunately, they did 4:30 not. 4.30 in the morning? No, 4.30 oh. in the afternoon. I thought you watched it on tape at 4.30 in the morning. No. Got yourself up. Oh, no. okay. No, 4.30 in oh, the afternoon. Oh, you got yourself up at 4.30 in the afternoon. Right. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Set that alarm, woke up, and started watching the crack, and I wish they'd set an alarm, because unfortunately, Jaden Schwartz says they were, they were just a little tired. A little bit off today. A little bit tired, and, um, you know, like I said, long, long travel back to Seattle and long travel here, so... Um, you know, we don't want to use it too much of an excuse, but we know we got a lot better than that, and we'll get our energy tomorrow and look at a few things and regroup. Well, good. I'm glad they'll get their energy back. I think I would buy Rusty before I bought Tired, but whatever. Uh, they didn't play very well. They lose 4 nothing. They lose Andre Burakovsky as well. He left the game early. It was called a lower body injury, but it was non-contact, so that's not really a great sign. And then uh, the good news, both Matty Beneers and Schwartz, who we just played, you were both able to return to action, and Beneers looked pretty good, so uh, that's good news. I'm very reticent to start talking about tired legs because last time we did that 12 years ago, a Hall of Famer called in yeah. and, and kind of ripped one of us. And, you know, I said, like, you know what you're talking about? Why are you challenging? I'm a, I'm a Hall of Famer. So I don't want like Mark Messier or somebody listening to the show right now <laughs> to call in. That would be say, nice if Messier was listening to the show. Who are you to try to dispute them talking about being tired? But yeah, it was a long layoff. I think, I think rest probably the more appropriate word than tired. Here's the third thing you need to know. Well, congratulations to LeBron James. LeBron James, a shot in history. LeBron stands alone. The NBA's all-time scoring record now belongs to LeBron James. Did you like the fadeaway for the record? Kind of his shot, man. I mean, out of his 38,000 and some points, there have been a lot of them just like this that you just you just can't guard. I, I said to you last hour, I mean, to put this in context of where he is around his peers, it's all gets remarkable. I mean, it is Brady-esque. He doesn't have the titles in you know, 10 finals, 7 Super Bowls like Tom Brady and everything else, but he has... He's got 10 finals, right? Isn't he 4 and 6 in the finals? Like, like Tom when you start, is he? Has it been that many? I think so. I oh, think he's wait. four and six in the finals. I mean, it's him and Kareem. Carl Malone, 2,000 behind. Kobe, 5,000 behind. MJ, 6,000 behind. Wilt and Dirk, 7,000 behind. Shaq, 10,000 behind. I mean, the only ones within sniffing are uh, 11,000 are Carmelo, who's he's done, and Kevin Durant with all his injuries. He's never closing that it, gap. Do you think it, you know, does it? Does the way the game has changed factor into that? I mean, Michael was just getting beat up for years, right? I mean, he's going against the Pistons who were trying to take him out, the Knicks who were trying to take him out. I mean, does that does that affect? Does it make it, does it, make it less impressive, Dilfer? Does it make it less? Is no, that what you're saying? That. Oh, no, okay. it's incredibly impressive. I'm not trying to yeah. take anything away from him, yeah. but I do think you could build up some of the other guys and what they dealt with, and I'm not sure he had. But then to. you would think over the last 20 years in that area, you would right. think that they're guys at least a little bit closer, and there's not anybody close. The Steph Curry's and the Durants and, and and the guys that have played the last 20 years. Uh uh-uh. uh. It, it not, does. It also helps this. him to have started at age 18, right? He was yes. able to come straight out of high school, which you can't do anymore, and that will that will help in terms of a career. Uh, you know, one thing like that this, just popped in my mind it, it's, is a, it's a remarkable number. I, you know, I'm writing these numbers down. I'm I'm looking at these greats. And Michael Jordan was MJ. 
Right. Why didn't LeBron ever become LJ? Well, he's LBJ. I think a lot of people call him oh, LBJ. Okay. LBJ. I mean, that was already sort of taken, but right. he's sort of the other LBJ. <laughs> yes. He's King James, right? Yep. Yep. But you would have think, like, if, okay. Also, the LJ was already taken. Who? Larry LJ Johnson. LJ Collier? Larry Johnson. He used to oh. do the LJ thing. Oh, Grandma, Grandma Ma? Ma? Yeah. The chalk strap halfway up his back, Grandma Ma? Hey, LJ. He was already LJ. No room for him. Sorry. There you go. That's everything you need to know. Do a quarter past every hour here on the new Brock and Salk show. Yeah, we uh, I had mentioned Grandmama yesterday for Grands Ranked, mm. and then uh, we forgot to put him out All there. Right. So. That's an old head right there now. LJ? That's, LJ? Yeah. That's, Did you like this thing, though? When he was Not really. The, you didn't uh, like that? I didn't think he was that good. I didn't think he was that good enough to do that. You're probably I mean, right about that. He was fun. I liked it. I liked it. That was kind of my game. His game was kind of my game in high school. I mean, I didn't have the jockstrap band hanging out of the short halfway no. up my back like he did. But as far as kind of just big and physical. He was definitely people, big and physical. Ooh, he but he had a little fun. bit of an outside game as well. Yep. Or he could kind of do a little of everything. He, a little touch, he was a good feel. player. Maybe uh-huh. he didn't quite turn into the great player that they were no. hoping. But but uh, certainly a very good one. Yep. MJ, uh, LJ, KJ. We kind of got it all today. Yeah. You know? yeah. Do you think KJ is more of a, of a Jordan or LeBron? Oh, that's a good question. If you had to guess. Mora? Justin, he's you, th- you he's think, be you think KJ is more of an MJ or an LJ? You got to be 40, I think, to be an, an MJ guy. Really? I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying he's LeBron guy. Yeah. I think everyone under 40 is LeBron. I think there's a third option where sometimes there is. go Kobe. That's right. Mm. That's right. Oh, right. could he go Kobe? Yeah. I think there's a lot of love for Kobe on the Seahawks. There's there certainly a lot of love, but I don't see how you could put Kobe in the same. I don't know. I, I think KJ is more Kobe. I think KJ is more Kobe. I think KJ is five years younger than LeBron. Huh? KJ's five years younger than <laughs> That's pretty remarkable. <laughs> if LeBron James had decided to play weak side linebacker for the Seahawks, could he ever had a better career than KJ? <laughs> we'll ask KJ right that question and more next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports Station. All right, KJ Wright's going to join us in just a minute, and then uh, 9, 9 o'clock, we'll go through the darkness retreat with Aaron Rodgers. There's a lot to get to there. More found some really great information on what's going on. Uh, I also, Brock, we barely had a chance to talk today about this uh, Sean Payton story, uh, which comes from Terry Bradshaw. Did you catch any of this? So they were they were uh, you know, co-workers, peers at, at Fox this past year. Oh, together. I watched them. I watched him at the uh, seminar have a couple beers together. Terry yeah. basically comes out yesterday and is like, oh, yeah, he doesn't want to work with Russ. Uh, and uh, we would talk and he would talk and talk and talk. And was a, I'd say, well, you can't go to Charlotte. Yeah. That's the NFC South. Uh, you can't go to Houston. They don't have a quarterback down there. You don't want to be in Houston. Uh, where else could he have gone? Where, where, Arizona. Arizona, no, mm. no, that quarterback. You don't want to work with that yeah. quarterback. But he'd rather work with Russ? Uh, I don't think so, but ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? That's all he's got. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's got no choice. But I'll tell you one thing: yeah. he'll get the most out of him. <laughs> Do you think that's Terry's opinion, or is that Peyton's opinion? Oh, I I think that that was a lot of folks' opinions around there, and that's why you heard a bunch of speculation. I think even Stink said it. Slareth with uh, on the Tuesday. Yeesh. With the afternoon guys, that yeah, it's looking like Sean's going to come back to Fox because uh, no, I think he might have wanted to wait one more year. Anyway, KJ Wright joins us right now, the host of the KJ Wright Show, uh, which is not happening today, but we have him on his regularly scheduled Wednesday anyway. Mm-hmm. Hi, KJ, what's going on, man? How are you? Good morning, fellas. Miss you guys, man. How y'all been? We've been good. 
We miss you too. We're getting ready for the Super Bowl. How about you? Uh, I'm, well, I'm getting ready to go skiing uh, uh, with my Whoa. son, Whoa. and so uh, yeah, looking forward to it. What kind of skier are you? <laughs> I'm about a uh, blue, maybe a tad bit of black, but I like to chill on the blue. And so uh, we went a few weeks ago, and he, he, my son's pretty good. And so I got, I got to be able to hang with him today. When did I you heard. learn to ski? Last year, when he was five. When did you learn to ski? Was, oh, you learned with him? Like twenty. <laughs> I was twenty eight when I learned. <laughs> you were tw- you were yeah. so you were under contract. You were twenty eight, and you put yourself up on the slopes. That's a really dangerous idea. You took that kind of risk Seriously. on the Seahawks, KJ. It, it, it was not smart at all. I, I swear, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> Who got you skiing for the first time? You guys remember Brock Hoyle? Yeah. Oh yeah, Montana well, Mountain Man. Took us, big, took us to Big Sky, Montana. Uh, Brock Hoyle, myself, Mike Morgan, and. Um, yeah, he taught us how to ski, so I've been doing it ever since. Oh, that's kind of awesome! Oh, good for you. Well, have fun today. Let's uh, we'll yes, spend sir. a few minutes talking some some football with you before uh, before you get yourself up there. Um, what do you think? Super Bowl, Eagles, Chiefs. What are we expecting? This is going to be a very very fun matchup. And you just look at both of these teams. Both of them were phenomenal all season long, consistent all season long, phenomenal coaches. When I look at this matchup, right on paper. The Philadelphia Eagles should win this ball game. You got offensive line, defensive line. You got the skill receivers. But I look at the Chiefs and I look at this offense. I look at Andy Reid, and I don't believe we could put a price tag on the it factor that they have and what Patrick Mahomes has as well. And so I look at this ball game. They're going to have to get creative to slow down this Eagles pass rush. And so I have the Chiefs. Winning some way, somehow, the ball's mm. going to be in Patrick Mahomes' hands. With about a minute and something left, he's going to drive the ball down the field, get either a field goal or a touchdown to add another Super Bowl to his resume. KJ, 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 KJ. Come on, man. If we <laughs> all season long we talk, every one of these Wednesday, we got an hour. Do you know how many sacks Philadelphia had this season, KJ? Do you, do you, do you want to know how many sacks they had this year? 72? S- yeah. Yeah, they had over 70 sacks this year. Yep. Do you know how depleted Kansas City is? How beat up they are? (laughs) Don't you remember that Super Bowl when you lost Jeremy Lane and you lost Cliff? And don't you remember what that was like when you're a a little bit of a beat up team versus the year before when you were flying high, healthy? You Mm -hmm. couldn't wait to play. Philadelphia can't wait. Philadelphia wanted to play last night. And Kansas City's got to try to get there, man. They try to try to get healthy. Patrick's try to get healthy. I mean, this this so, this line of scrimmage ain't close in this matchup, KJ. So if you know that as Andy Reid and as the play caller, what do you do, Brock? If you know your offensive line can handle this pass, or if you know that it's going to be a struggle, you have got to find creative ways. In particular, with Isaiah Pacheco to get him going. I know that the Chiefs don't want to run the ball. I know that's not their philosophy, but if you know that you're depleted on the offensive line, you have got to find ways to keep this defensive line honest. And so I need them to get him the ball 15 to 20 times a game, get him going, get him with some screens, some draws, because it will be a long day. They think they're just going to pass the ball all day and drop back. It's going to be a long day for Patrick Mahomes. But I trust Andy Reid. He's been down this road before. Watch his game plan that he put together for this thing. Hey, KJ, when you think about the lead-up to those two Super Bowls that you played in, I don't mean the game itself or game day, but this week, right? The sort of silly week with the media stuff and all of that. What are your more vivid memories of the lead-up to those two Super Bowls? 
It's a lot. It's a lot for players because it's it's different than what you're accustomed to. You're just used to your regular routine. You're staying at home. You travel on a Friday, go play, boom, you're there on Sunday. But for these guys, it's been two weeks of a lot, a lot of chaos, a lot of mayhem, a lot of people blowing up your phone, begging for tickets, getting your family situated, pulling you left and right for media. And so it is a lot. And so for these players, this is very important for these guys to know when to cut it off. I, I'm done. There's no more. I'm focused on the football game. If you're not my teammate, if you're not my coach, I do not want to talk to you right now. And so it's important for these guys to put things in their proper priorities, put everything into perspective, and get ready to put together a performance of a lifetime because this game, you know, obviously is very important, and there's so many distractions. So you got to find ways to eliminate that noise and focus on the task at hand. How much do you, do you remember of Marshawn not talking for the second Super Bowl? <laughs> I, I was there. I was there. What was, what was the vibe up. in the locker, you know, not the locker, but, you know, among the guys? I was never upset. I know there were some people in the media that were legitimately very upset about it. I thought it was sort of funny and all that, and I think Brock did as well. But what were you guys saying about all that? I, I loved it. I thought that that fit our personality as as a football team. You got the guys that love the media. You got the Sherms. You got the Russells. And then you got Marshawns. Like, I do not want to talk. I am not obligated to talk. I am just here so I don't get fined. And so that was far from a distraction. I thought it was funny. I thought it was hilarious. And, um, you know, watching Marshawn, it's funny, watching Marshawn then, watching him now, two completely different dudes. The guy's a media darling. But um, it definitely fit our personality as, as a football team. The idea that it was some... I, I had no issues with it at all. But I did find it funny. When it was, yeah. Oh, no, he's he's just... It's a social anxiety thing. Like, no, <laughs> it's not that. No. You just don't want to do that. No. <laughs> no, no, no. I think it was probably more strategic than right. anything. Uh, yeah, to, you know, just set himself up for post-football. But um, doesn't have any social anxiety. People think he's shy or timid. Clearly, that's not Marshawn Lynch. We'll get we'll get to Gino. We'll get to the Seahawks offseason in just a second. We did have a question, though. came up in our need to know. With LeBron passing Kareem last night, we were wondering, is KJ a LeBron guy? Is KJ a MJ guy? Is KJ a Kobe guy? Who is – who? what, what, what eggs who's are you the putting go? in the basket? Yeah, who's your guy? I, I've never been a LeBron James guy. I've always been team Kobe Bryant since – the day I can remember sports, he's always been my guy, and it pissed me off. It's pissing me off to this day when people say that LeBron is better than Kobe. But um, to witness what he did last night, coming in as an 18-year-old kid and putting together this 20-year career, just so consistent, just so dominant, he is one of the best. <laughs> I'm not going to say he is the best. He is one of the best to obviously ever do it. And um, if he gets another championship under his belt, I truly believe that we can safely say that LeBron James is the greatest of all time when it comes to basketball. But I'm team Kobe all day to my last breath, and that's going to forever be my guy. Team Kobe over Jordan? Team Kobe over my stars, my favorite player. MJ is the best to ever do it. Oh, okay. But Kobe is my favorite player. Yeah, I put it as far as the best to do it, I put it, um, I put it LeBron, I put it Michael Jordan, LeBron, Kobe. 
but Kobe is my favorite guy. That's Let's right. Get that understood. That that's good. That's a good answer. Yeah. I like that. You see anybody else yeah, yeah. as big as you on those ski slopes? By the way, <laughs> like when you're coming down the blues, <laughs> if you yet run into somebody that's six five with, with your length arm, and Salk was saying you probably don't even use poles, right? Because your arms are so long. Yeah, I wasn't going to say that on the <laughs> air. What? That's oh, I'm not sorry. nice. Oh, I mean, jeez. <laughs> Oh, poles, poles are mandatory. I don't. I can't see myself skiing without poles. I figured your arms, you know, those long arms, you just touch the ground. <laughs> no, I'm poles, and my son actually asked me to grab him some poles today. So we both are with, with poles. I don't play around with that. All right, nice. good. Hey, how are you feeling about Gino? What uh, What are we thinking? Are they going to get something done? Do you read much into his tweets or some of his comments that were a whole lot more positive at the Pro Bowl? What, what do you think's going on? Yeah, the, the the question is, it's not if Geno's going to get signed, it's when would Geno Smith get signed. And I think the biggest question that the fan base is looking for is, what's that magic number going to be? What can John Snyder and Coach Carroll and Geno all agree to? And I believe when you look at Geno, when you look at any player that's up for a contract, it's a complete body of work, right? When we look at Geno Smith, it's only been one season of phenomenal football. And so I'm very interested to see, will this, will this be a type of contract to where you have a good base salary, but hey, Gino, we love you. You did phenomenal for us. But, you know, let's, let's put a few incentives in here for you to re- reaffirm us, reassure us that you are the quarterback that we are paying. And so I believe the base salary would be, is going to be nice. But I believe Gino is looking at himself like, hey, I'm this good. This is a quarterback value. At least let me earn a certain amount of more money. Let me, you know, get another Pro Bowl pass for 3,000 yards. And so I'm very interested to see what the details will be in the contract. But Geno Smith will get signed. We are, let's see, one, two, three, yeah, just about a little over three weeks away from that franchise tag. About three and a half. So between now and then, we know that uh, we know that Derek Carr is visiting New Orleans today. He was allowed to go down there and visit, reconnect with Dennis Allen, his former coach with the Raiders, and everything else. Mm-hmm. So it'll be kind of the first little QB domino in this market to fall. So we are three and a half weeks away from the franchise tag, March fifth, of the Seahawks having to put that on if they cannot get a deal. Do you think then, as you said, it's not a matter of if and when? Do you think that gets done uh, before that franchise tag of March 5th? Absolutely. And I, and I don't think that the Seahawks will franchise tag Geno. I do believe that they are going to come to a long-term deal. And so I still believe it's going to be around three years. And I do believe that they trust Geno. They love Geno. They respect him. But to franchise tag him, I cannot see them doing that. Have they ever? Who, who has ever been franchise tagged? Under John Snyder and Coach Carroll. A couple guys. Uh, Frank Clark. Ooh. Frank Clark was franchised well, and then traded. Right? Mm-hmm. Franchised and then traded. Yep. And then other than that, it's just kickers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they're not doing that. And, and uh, So, yes, get them, get them signed. You know, show them that you are the quarterback for the future. And But there would not be a franchise tag. You have a number there that works for you because that's part of this conversation, right? We had Lewis Riddick on earlier this week. And, yeah, you know, I think I tend to agree with everything you say. And, and, and I think it would be best case if they can find a deal. But ultimately, there is a bottom line. John Schneider told Wyman and Bob that a couple weeks ago. Ultimately, and you know this from negotiating with this team, KJ, and and here's our bottom line, and this is the number that's going to work. Is there a number that you start to feel comfortable with if you're the Seahawks, if you're Geno, that you think can work and actually be a win-win for both? 
Yep. Last last time I talked about Geno, I I was kind of disrespectful. <laughs> I was disrespectful <laughs> in the number that I said. I said twenty. I'm bumping it up to twenty five, and with incentives, with incentives to get thirty. Hmm. Right. Twenty five. Did, did he let you? Did he let you know you were disrespectful? Yeah. How, he, who told he you say, you were being disrespectful? Stop counting my pockets, KJ. Did you start no, to hear some blowback? <laughs> No, he didn't say anything, but I was looking at other guys. I believe Jamal Adams is around 18, if I'm not mistaken, 17. Yeah. yeah. And so you can't yeah, you can't pay your quarterback the same as your safety. You know, that's, that's a whole other story. We'll, we'll get to that another time. <laughs> so, um, no, Gino, Gino did not say anything to me. I'm bumping that number up to 25 with incentive. Hey, perform well. Keep showing us that you're great. You've only done it for one year, Gina. I know what they're going to say in that meeting room. You know, you only done it for one year. We have other guys to pay. You know, we love you, want you here. And so I believe they got to find a number that's comfortable, comfortable for both of them. Hmm. Well, if they do that, how quickly can they get to a Super Bowl? Well, no, that's going to take some time. I mean, let's look at this roster, guys. We They have a lot of holes. They have a lot of holes. On this football team, the interior offensive line scares me. The interior defensive line terrifies me. The linebacker unit is, they don't have linebackers. There's no linebackers on this football team. And so they have a lot, a lot of holes to add via free agency, via the draft. And so I believe we're like in another three years before we can be like really honest and transparent to say this is a Super Bowl caliber roster because right now they're very depleted in a lot of areas, and so they have a lot of work to do this offseason. Hey, remember you told us that story about how you were just missing it? You turned to your wife and said, gosh, I'm just I'm kind of a little bit blue. I'm kind of, kind of missing it. And she said, go. She kind of kicked you in the pants and said, go. Go in the facility. Go see your guys. Go see the Seahawks. Hey, man, if you're missing yeah. Salk and I on these Wednesdays, <laughs> Right, and, and you wake up on some of these Wednesdays, and you got the itch. I just want to let you know. Yeah, just come like, on, just come on in. Like you're welcome anytime, KJ. Anytime at all. I will. I'm, I'm mean. I'm mean with Kyle Brown today. Oh, we're going oh. to do a little chit chatting. Oh, yeah, news. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what Kyle has up his sleeve. Wow, that's breaking news here. That's the a long. That's show a this long morning. sleeve. That you and him got about the longest sleeves in that building when you two meet. Yeah, so. if they shake hands, do they even have to be in the same room? No. It's right outside the office. Two guys really long, big wings. Do you see this guy's wingspan from Ohio State, KJ? The center? Uh, he's a tackle, tackle. Dewan Jones. Woo. What is it, 89 uh, inches? Yeah, it's seven. It's he a wingspan of a seven, four and a half inch man. <laughs> seven feet, four and a half. <laughs> the longest in the man. history of the Senior Bowl and Combine, like 89 and a half. Nuts. Can he play football, though? Oh yeah, apparently he can. Yeah, actually, oh, yeah. supposed he's, to be pretty good. He's kind of a grown. He's a grown man. Yeah. He's he's one to keep an eye. Well, we're good at tackles. I don't want to see any tackles get drafted. Let's draft some yeah. right. guards and centers. All right, there we go. KJ, thank you. It's good to talk to you. Have fun skiing. I don't know why you want to come in here on Wednesdays. You just go out to the mountain, go skiing, do a little apres afterwards. You do you get into the um, do you get into the like out the skiing outfits? Oh, you, you best believe I have my goggles. I got my ski pants, yeah. my, my ski boots, all that, all that stuff. What color yeah, but you, ja- got, what color but you got style. You like, do you have style? Do you, are you who was that old French skier salt back in the day when all the golds? I don't uh, know. I mean, I'm the Italian guy, Alberto Tomba. Uh, there you go. That's Tomba La Bomba. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I need to get an all white. My next goal is to get an all yes. white um, ski suit. Yes. yes, that's my yes. next goal. I am so with you on that, man. That that's how that's how you do it. That'll with a bedazzled good. fifty-one on the back. <laughs> fifty-one? Would you stop with the wrong number? What's wrong with you? Fifty. Sheesh, that's not right. KJ, hey, KJ, KJ. Have, me on, have me on next week when the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. You guys that I was right. Well, I'll tell you what. If the Chiefs win, you don't have to come on. If Philly wins, <laughs> you are booked for oh. this time next Wednesday. Wow. Deal? <laughs> That's the deal. Deal. All right. See you, buddy. Thanks, KJ. We appreciate it. Thanks. There's there's KJ Wright. He's on his way to go skiing and uh, apparently meeting with Kyle Brown. Who knew? That's our wow. boss, Kyle, a former producer of the show who now uh, runs the show here, uh, the whole station. Yeah. What kind of incentives do you think we can bake into that? If oh, KJ incentives. Yeah. Well, he's sort of an incentive-based guy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he went right to incentives with Gino. Well, he has had one great year with us. Mm-hmm. Okay, He had one <laughs> phenomenal season. Well, <laughs> we we parallels. I mean, we could... Get that sustainable? white, that white uh, yes. suit that he was talking about. That's right. Absolutely. We'll upgrade your ski gear, some incentives. Someone listening right now, are you out there? Are you a ski distributor? Do you want a little marketing? You know, you want KJ right. hosted by, you know, your ski shop? Dude, you, you see KJ come flying past you on the on the mountain? That's a that's a sight. Yeah. Don't you think? And if, you know what? I'm sure he's really good. Like, there's probably a lot of people who listen who've been skiing their whole lives, and he's like, yeah, I've been at it for a couple years, and now I'm the best. I don't know. <laughs> I can see that um, being very uh, real. By the way, did Brock just pull a Terry Bradshaw on you? Uh, what 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 did I do? You said you oh yeah you absolutely made that joke off air and you yeah, didn't think I, he was gonna oh, say absolutely it. I was oh, definitely sorry. not oh, gonna make a- that joke and Brock totally <laughs> sold me out. How come you don't mind talking about my long fingers on air, but you don't want to uh, right. talk about KJ's long arms? I'm not Seriously. afraid of you. You should. Have you seen? Have you seen <laughs> Mora? You be. So you see Mora ski? <laughs> I've not. The fingers are. They, do you they, ski? They drag in snow. No, I lived in Colorado for <laughs> ten plus years, right? And I went snowboarding twice. I think I never even tried skiing. Really? How come? I probably should because I was horrible at snow snowboarding. Oh, so maybe I'd be yeah. better at skiing. The move. Did you Did you get some of the snowboard attire? No, I just. Uh, well, I mean, I had I had my Columbia jacket. I bought some. <laughs> I bought some pants, and then I just rented everything. The whole else. like attire thing is like the best. It's the one good thing about. That's skiing. what makes it so unattainable. I was like, I can't afford to oh, buy absolutely. all of this it's and terrible. Then travel to the mountains every weekend. Yes, the barrier to skiing has to be higher than any other sport. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The amount of stuff you've got to buy, followed by the expense of the actual skiing and the learning of it, it's it's incredibly challenging to get to. Yeah, yeah. Hey, a uh, question for you. Uh, when he talked about Gino. Do you think these two can structure a win-win? You think there is a win-win to be had? Well, it's sure seeming that way more and more. I mean, the more the more we're talking to people and the more the vibe has changed in the last week or so, mm-hmm. I'm just getting the sense that there, there's got to be some sort of a deal to be had. So either the Seahawks have sort of changed their tune and offered more, Gino's seen his market and realized it's not as great as he thought it was, yeah. or something. But something has to have changed because the whole tenor of it has changed. Boy, it would be such a win-win. It really would. And, and I don't know how all of this works, salary cap, you know, situationally, mm-hmm. and, 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 and how much money you have to put in escrow for these incentives. And, and you know, let's say, as KJ said, hey, we'll give you a base. You know, you're going to make $25 million a year, and we're going to give you lots of cash and your signing bonus so we can kind of spread that over the three years. So that actual cap hit here uh, this season is, is very, very favorable. Um, you know, so on paper, you're going to get – because of that bonus, $25 million per year, but your base this year will be 2 or $3 bucks. If you could do that and then just say, hey, listen, you want to make $50 bucks? 
get us to a Super Bowl. Right, get us to a Super Bowl, and here's twenty million dollars. Mm-hmm. Right, get us to the playoffs. Can they again. do that? Here's a, get us to the playoffs. Well, this year they doubled his salary. Right. I mean, this year he went from three point five to seven. I mean, he got he had a full. Now, obviously, it's three point five to seven. It's not twenty five to forty or forty. Right. I mean, like, are there bonuses that are that big? I've never heard of incentives that are that big in the NFL. Yeah, I'd be kind of curious what would be stretching that limit. Mm-hmm. What they a could do, even technically, be how that works with the cap and everything else. Is it five million in incentives? You know, is it hey, you you want to make thirty million a year, or you want to get to this threshold of thirty right. two? Right here's twenty five at least on paper, but here are six or seven that if you just go back and you play, you just play the way you played this year. We're not even asking you to do more. Complete sixty nine percent of your passes. Throw for four thousand yards. Right. Throw thirty touchdowns and get us to the playoffs. Just make it sustainable. And, and you're going to make seven million. We're not asking you to be superhuman. We're not asking you <laughs> right to be all pro or or to, you know we're not going to put unrealistic. Just do what you just did. But we need to see it again, as KJ said. I think, there's, I think that makes some sense. I mean, I, look, if he can do it again, obviously, he's a tremendous quarterback. But they've also got to find a way to get better around him. You heard KJ also say he doesn't see a Super Bowl for three years. So, you know, that's a bit of an issue. Like, you want to be the Eagles, who just went from 9-8 and eight to the Super Bowl the next year? you got to figure out a way to do what the Eagles just did and bring in all of the defensive players that they've brought in, plus mm-hmm. an A.J. Brown. I mean, they improved themselves greatly from last year to this year. They had a good base. Just like the Seahawks do. I heard Bump talking about that yesterday, saying, hey, there are some actual pieces here in this defense that you got to build on, but you got to do it. You got to build on it in order to to get back to where they want to be. Great stuff. Good to talk to KJ, and uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed that that's a good meeting. He's having a meeting after skiing? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Once I go skiing, I'm not taking another meeting. I think it was right after the interview before he skis. I think he's talking to Kyle now. Oh, okay, no, no, good. no. Uh-uh, uh-uh. No, I can confirm it's after. After it's skiing. He's, on the, he's following the ski bus right now. <sighs> I can confirm it's 100% Depleted. after. I don't think I would be at my best after that. After Kyle. skiing, generally, I'm like Kyle just happy to be alive. Him. Kyle gets him at a good time. Oh, you think so? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you low think energy, he's... <laughs> low energy. Sugar level low. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Maybe had a couple apres after a race. Yeah. Yeah. He set Kyle move. up to get all the complaint emails. If, if this That's true. Oh, he did. If something doesn't uh, get leverage. done, it's Kyle's fault. Good stuff. <laughs> this feels like a Geno Seahawks thing going on. Brock, uh, it is time for the strangest story of the day, and somehow... The most predictable. It's next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com.